With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The captain's run with Sam Edmund. Smith has 50 in his eyes. Jordan bowls to him, stands upright, carves the ball out through point, has one, looks to come for the second, and that is a rich half century for Steve Smith. It has been an innings full of promise for the summer to come. Three to win from 20 balls. Milan up to the crease and bowls, and Smith does go up and over the top of mid-wicket. He finishes it with a six. Australia do it easy. They win by six wickets with 20 balls to spare. And Stephen Smith, 80 not out at the end. Nah, just uh, standing a lot stiller, not moving as much. Every now and again if I kind of want to, but keeping myself sight on. And I think when I'm playing like cover drives like those one and getting my weight back through the ball, that's when I know I'm hitting them well. So I just felt like I was moving a bit far and getting a bit front on and it was just limiting a few areas I could score and um, just wasn't feeling overly comfortable, but um, no, I feel feeling good at the moment. I'm back, baby, according to Steve Smith. That's what Mike Hussey read uh, from his lips at one stage during that innings as I welcome in Jared Waitley. Jared, good morning. It was it was stark watching those differences in uh, Steve Smith's uh, batting technique. It's so interesting, Jules. Hello. Yeah, here's the story of the night. Um, I posed the question with Pete Lawler on Wednesdays. I feel like this is the, the biggest issue of the summer is, is how far might Steve Smith rise again after a, a, a few summers that have been less than we'd come to expect. Uh, and I think it's an interesting lesson in, in the art of batsmanship. It, it's, never, it's never the finished product. It's only what you're comfortable with at any given time. So at 33, he's taken out his trademark uh, twitches and triggers and he's essentially overhauled his batting. Then he looks far more conventional. Now, when Smith was in his pomp, when he was untouchable in those really three consecutive seasons, uh, the reason seemed to be that he confounded with that first move and that bowlers and captains could never figure out what to do. And if you angled at the stumps, he'd take his through leg and he could, could absolutely control what was coming. Now he looks far more orthodox. And I must say, last night was stylish. There were... In in space of sort of three overs, there were five boundaries, which were signature moves. There's two cover drives, which is as good as you would see. He played a late cut, he played a hook, and he played a flick off the toes. And it was like that was his whole game all the way around the wagon wheel tuning up. But it was a good time to tune it in the middle of November with the prospect of five tests to unfold. What does it say about Steve Smith, Jerry? We know a lot of elite sportsmen at times can be pretty stubborn and, you know, I'll find a way. I'm not going to change too much. I'll, I'll, I'll back myself in. What does it say that he's prepared to make what looks to be pretty significant changes at this stage of his career? 
I think all elite batters are a bit mad. Uh, the ones <laughs> I know uh, are forever tweaking with their technique and exploring and seeing what might work and always changing. So I don't think batters are stubborn sports people. I think they might be the exception. Uh, they are always searching for something within their game, either minor or in this case, quite significant. And if you think sometimes it can reach the level of the absurd mm. is George Bailey searched so far that he was facing the wrong way. And, um, but they are prepared to go to extreme lengths. And what I like about Smith here is he said he was starting, it, it, it was making him uncomfortable. Uh, so what had worked so prolifically, rather than go, no, no, this will work. I will get back to that groove. No, he's prepared to, he's prepared to overhaul what he does in the search of the next thing. And he really did look like he'd found it last night. And it's, it's a vital prospect for Australia and it's a thrilling prospect for cricket fans. Do we know who he's been working on this really closely with? I don't. I mean, he did an interview with Malcolm Conn a little while ago where he gave the first detail of what he was doing. And then last night is, is the first time just how pronounced it was. So it hasn't been an overnight thing. It's been progressive. It would be interesting now to go back to those top end games that were, that were played and, they were totally different because they were unfriendly batting conditions, and he was the only he was the only batter who could find a solution within the game. So I suspect that wasn't archetypal of the way that he wants to bat. But last night on a on a ripper Adelaide pitch, it was. And next he'll come through Sydney, which has forever been his his happy hunting ground. So uh, I I thoroughly look forward to seeing him again on Saturday. And I suspect now that it's been revealed to us at the start of the summer, that story will get will get told and told. But, the, yeah, the starting point is a, is a Malcolm Conn interview not too long ago. It wasn't a huge build-up to this game, Jared. There was only, what, 15,000, just over 15,000 in the house at Adelaide Oval. But listening to you in commentary last night, you were pretty big on the fact that this was a really important game for Australia. It was absolutely critical for this team and for the summer that they hoped to have. Uh, 15,500 by the end, Felt like quite a nice crowd at Adelaide Oval, recognising what the one-day format is now. Is we did we spoke of all the nostalgia around when we used to go, and the big date of cricket in your town was the 50-over match. That's just not true anymore, and we're not yet in school holidays. So it, it had a there was a lovely convivial atmosphere at Adelaide Oval, which is one of the the distinctions of the ground. Um, but to get some momentum, to shake off whatever that was in the World Cup, and to start what amounts to the home summer last night with a win. And Australia very rarely loses at home, and it's a big deal when they do. And that's not only series, but matches. And England, uh, five, uh, four of their first-choice players in the squad didn't play last night through the, the celebrations of the, of the T20. And that became really clear when they started to bowl. Yeah. So this was a night that Australia had to be beating a second-string England team, not only for their worth, but for their self-worth. And I think there's a lot of players who would have felt really good coming out of last night. Stark and Cummins were excellent at the top of the order. This was a belter of a batting strip, and the opening bowlers troubled England and took wickets so that they didn't get any momentum until really after the 35th over. This was a 3.30 bat first pitch and Australia kept England to 280 as a result. Agar was brilliant in the field. Unbelievable. I thought Zampa bowled really well, as he does with the white ball. It was a, an important night for Head to get off to a start. At the top of the order, he has the first opportunity. Warner looked terrific. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Smith looked great. Um, even Green at the end got a bit of what he wanted. So for individual merit and for collective worth, I, I think it was critical. And, and equally, I think it's important that they carry that through Sydney and then to Melbourne on Tuesday. You know, the voice of Jared Waitley, uh, game two in Sydney tomorrow. Jared will be joined by Adam Collins, Damien Fleming and Stephen O'Keefe. Just on the bowling, Jared, we saw in the World Cup we had Ireland 5 for 25. We couldn't clean them up for a really small total, which we needed. You know, Afghanistan nearly chased down our total in that final game. And even last night we had England in a lot of trouble, around about, you know, 5 for 130. Six or one fifty-ish, and we didn't quite clean them up. Is there any concerns there that we're not just taking the the sort of middle order and 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 tail out quicker than than we are? It's possible. I do think that T twenty and fifty over cricket are now so far removed that yep. that's true in one doesn't carry over to the other. And I do think you know by the end, if you were if you're just looking at the box scores, you say, well, Cummins was expensive and his death bowling was ineffective, but he had bowled so well at the top of the order. And it was a belter of a pitch. This was a 3.30 pitch. I felt that. I walked out there and had a look at the start, uh, saw the early part, and England were held 50 under par. I think I think Josh Butler said they felt they were about 30 short. I reckon they were 50 short. And if Australia had needed to accelerate, uh, 3.30 was, was about the mark. Um, Zampa bowled really well, 3 for 55. So I guess the... The fifth bowler scenario is really interesting. Last night, Hazelwood for management purposes. But what is Australia's best attack going to be? I feel like Zampa and Agar should play together more in white ball cricket than Australia chooses to. And for a long time, the the triumvirate of Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins have a hold. But our all-rounder is a bowling all-rounder, green. So that does make one of them superfluous to needs. Cummins is the captain, so he has to play. Um, Stoinis is, a, is an interesting study over a period of time as to whether he's a first-choice player by the, the World Cup next year in India. Um, and, yeah, the, the late-order rally was really significant. So from six for 158 to nine for 287, that's, there, there's some really good batting in there. And Dawid Milan, who doesn't often get a look at the one-day side, absolutely made the most of his opportunity. And it was interesting to hear him say in the aftermath he thinks that's his best format um, so no, I don't. I don't hold those concerns. I, I actually think the batting, the bowling performance was first class to keep England inside what I reckon was the par score. But just the box score looks like England got away at the end. Yeah, and Mitch Master, of course, missed out last night for Stornis. You, you mentioned there Stark and Hazelwood, and Kerry O'Keefe on Fox Cricket was talking about it. You know, the World Cup uh, in India coming up. Um, he believes that these two are bowling against each other. Only one of these guys are going to play, and you've quite rightly made the point there that uh, Pat Cummins is the captain, so he's not going anywhere at this stage. Uh, you got a feel with... I mean, Hazelwood was 12th man last night. you got a feeling which way that's going to go in the next 12 months? Uh, it's such a good question. I think when Stark gets that reverse swing Yorker going, Australia would believe that that is such a weapon in, in Indian conditions 
But I think on paper, uh, Stark would be the first choice ahead of Hazelwood. Uh, that, that's how it was in the test matches that were Sri Lanka and Pakistan when that choice had to be made. Uh, they liked that that capacity for a reverse swing. It was there at the end in Adelaide, which um, which is saying something. So if Stark can get himself at the top of his form, I think he would play ahead of Hazelwood. It's so interesting that the world rankings have Hazelwood as the number two bowler because he's such a metronome. So he is a weapon, but Australia only needs two in the next World Cup. So Hazelwood will play regularly. I'm sh- I feel like he'll play in, in Sydney on his home deck, and that probably means um, either maybe one of the all-rounders will miss out. Australia might short shift itself on the batting front, or, or maybe both spinners won't play. I'm not sure. But come India, both spinners are going to play. Mm. There'll be two quicks and green. So uh, I think there's a dozen, just more than a dozen one days to try to figure that out and see what the conditions are going to be. And just quickly before I let you go, Jared, have we got an idea of what sort of changes England will make for game two, particularly with that bowling lineup? So they've got the choices of Moen Ali, Sam Curran, Chris Wokes and Adil Rashid. All of them would be first choice players in this 11. But to listen to Joss Butler last night, who it should be it was just utterly unfussed about losing and their mission is accomplished. So I think we all understand what this is. He didn't sound like a bloke who was going to put all four of them back in. So I would expect two of them to play. I think Adil Rashid would would play in Sydney and Sam Curran did the the, um, substitute fielding last night. So I'd like to see him play. It's a totally different challenge if England played all four of them. It just didn't sound like that was the way Butler was leaning at his post-match press conference. So these games are far more important to Australia than they are to England. I think that was that was really clear in the way that it unfolded and it was absolutely clear in the way Butler spoke. He should, what he should have done was just walk into his press conference and plonk the T20 trophy on the desk <laughs> just, to, uh, a bit of a just, flex. just to glance at every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> just to say, hey, by the way, we're, we're on overtime here and, and we finished the mission. So, yeah, I think that, that's why Australia should be winning this series. I hope all four play um, because I think it's a totally different challenge. I'd love to see Adil Rashid play next and Sam Cohen, the player of the tournament. So maybe a couple of them come in. You pack lightly, Jared. You still okay for close? Yeah, I just hand luggage only, Jules. I just tried to make the assessment four days on the road. Could I be hand luggage only? So I am. I am. Excellent, Jared. Safe travels to Sydney. We look forward to game two tomorrow. Good on you, Jules. Cheers.